everybody. Welcome to the Pause Podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm running the show today. We are in season two, episode five. Mm-hmm. Episode five. Um, and we are taking a deep dive into Exodus this season, 30 days. Um, and just a reminder, we like to reiterate what our mission here at the Pause is, is that we want you to carve out time to pay attention to your soul. And we think that's pretty important. So uh, we love to be able to do that together. Uh, so today we are in chapter four. Um, and so today we're going to have um, a conversation um, really about leadership. And I think this is a story where we pick up in chapter four is a story about leadership, about what it means to be a leader mm. um, and leadership in any capacity. Um, so I think leadership is super hard. <laughs> it's very hard. And so my belief or definition, this is how I kind of defined it, define it as simply as I can, is that it's who you are, where you are. Leadership is who you are, where you are. And I mean, what I mean by that is that the way God made you is the way that you are meant to lead. And so there's not a formula for leadership. Oh, I like that. Um, Yeah. So my introvertedness is just as much a leadership style as someone else's extrovertedness. It doesn't Um, mean that anyone's like more suited. Yeah. My story, my personality, my gifts... My emotions, my quirkiness, that's, that's all just contribute. That's your specific leadership, leadership style. style. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and then, I mean, there are different and particular leadership styles, but I think that this, like my personal belief is that God made, that's how God made me to lead out of who I am. Um, and then where you are. Uh, so to lead does not mean a platform or a stage or a team. Um, it means in your home or in your workplace, in your book club, as a Mm. parent. I think leadership happens anywhere. Uh, So there's not one place or one season where you are defined as a leader. Um, So I would define leadership as who you are, where you are. So I want to recap a little bit, um, give a little bit of context to where we are before we dive into chapter four today. If you've been following along the last couple episodes, um, it's always good to recap though. Yeah. So a new king is ruling over Egypt uh, who does not know Joseph. Not a good thing. <laughs> it's not a good situation. Um, and the Hebrew people were ruthlessly made to work as slaves. Um, and so Pharaoh is threatened and fearful of that. And so he decides to kill all the Hebrew uh, babies out of fear of their number. Uh, Moses is spared and he's found by Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up in Pharaoh's court And then he flees to the wilderness after killing an Egyptian man, and then he becomes a shepherd. So that's kind of where we find Moses. Um, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. We covered that last Mm -hmm. episode, and he's standing on holy ground. Uh, So I want to read Exodus 3, 7 through 10, um, just to kind of give a little bit more. From yesterday. From yesterday, yeah. 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 Um, We've said these names so many times. I think it's so good. It's like this picture of the promise, right? Um, It says, then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezerites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God says, I've seen, Mm -hmm. I've heard, I know, I have come. 
And he really paints this beautiful picture of freedom, of a new land. And then he says, come, I will send you. And I always like to like picture myself in this part of the story. And can you imagine like <laughs> the people, God's people, your people, you know them, they're enslaved. They're doing brutal and hard labor. And the Lord says, I see, I hear, like what a relief. And then verse 10 comes and God's like, I will send you. <laughs> and I, Moses is probably like, wait, what? Like I'm this, wait, you're sending me? I'm the solution? And he's saying, come, Moses, I will send you to the dictator of the nation of Egypt and you're going to ask him to free his whole workforce. Like, be cool, no big deal. Yeah. Just can you imagine if you're in that situation? Uh, and then we move to um, still chapter three. And we covered this, but Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask like, what's your name? What shall I say? And then God says to Moses, I am who I, I am. am. Did I says, stutter? <laughs> <laughs> so Yahweh, he says, I am God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm creator and sustainer of all things. I am not dependent on anything or anyone else for my existence. And God is saying, this is who sends you. This is who powers you. Um, so we pick up in chapter four, verse one. And I think this is such an astounding interaction between God and Moses. And I love putting myself in Moses' shoes because I'm, I echo everything Moses is saying here. Wait, so narratively, where mm-hmm. are we in, in verse one? Is, this, is he still at the burning bush? Yeah, it's right after what I just read. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Moses is still, Jesus, or God, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is not Jesus showed scene. up too. Yeah, Jesus is there, what? Um, and so God is saying to Moses, I am who I am. Um, so verse one, it says, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me. <laughs> they won't listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Which we talked about yesterday mm-hmm. that Moses was like, these people aren't going to go for this. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, I won't believe, they won't believe me or my motives. I have no credibility. Literally, yeah. who am I? My voice is not unique. It's not special. It's not anything worth listening to. And then the Lord takes his staff and he turns his staff into a snake mm. and he makes his hand, he makes himself have a leprosy. And he says, they will see these signs and then they will know who sent you. And God is saying, you are a leader. And he's like calling him, like equipping him, you are a leader. But then Moses says to the Lord, oh, okay, I'm not eloquent though, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. He's literally saying, I literally cannot do what you are asking me to do. What is, um, like, what's your interpretation of that? Did you nerd out on that? When he I, says slow, like, I've heard people say that he had a stutter or a speech mm-hmm. impediment. I've heard other people say that he just was, like, nervous or that he was worried about, um, like, a language barrier. Yeah, I, I just feel like Moses is looking at this realistically. Like, I literally cannot do what you're asking me to do. So I don't know. It could have been any of those things. Um, and I, I feel like um, I felt this so many times where I'm like, I cannot do what you're asking me to do. And so I always t- took it that he was um, slow of speech and tongue. It could have been a speech impediment. So, they don't really specify. No. What do you think? I mean, I nerded out on it a little bit, and mm-hmm. there's like, there's just a lot of speculation. Yeah, so it could have been any of those, but um, so I think he's. I love the realistic aspect of that. Is that he's like, I can't do this. Like, Let's this be is practical. Literally, yeah, I can't do this. 
Um, and not only that, but the circumstances in general, Moses is saying, I'm not good with words. And you actually want me to approach Pharaoh and ask him to free your people? Like you're asking me to lean into something that I feel weak in and something yeah. that's my very weakness. And something that feels really important. So yeah. like, why me? Yeah. Right. Um, and I think this is a very relevant concern for Moses. And I feel, I've said this a lot of the times to God where, I don't know if you feel this, where I feel like I'm God's asking me to do the things that I feel like is actually something that I'm not good at doing. Um, and he's asking me to lean into my very weakness, which is mm. what I kind of uh, mentioned last episode, where I feel like that's when God's like, I got it. Like, I am your strength. You don't do anything out of that. Yeah, that whole verse of like, in your weakness, he is yeah. strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, then it's just, I love the Lord's response. Um, the Lord says to him, well, who made man's mouth? <laughs> Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. And so the Lord says, I will give you the words. I will be your mouth. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And God is saying, you are a leader. Mm. And he keeps continually calling him, telling him that he is a leader. And then finally Moses says, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And I think this is one of Moses' most vulnerable statements. It's a little desperate and I think embarrassing where he's like, please send someone else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I want my people to be free. Like we're on the same page, but please send someone else to do it. But I also feel like it's really um, brave and honest of him. I mean, because, and I guess maybe he's so in his story that he can't see like that he's going to go down in history for this. Mm-hmm. But like to be used by God to lead a group of people, there's people that would say yes to that with no hesitation, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds like I'm in for some some good glory and fame. Yeah. And Moses, I like to think, recognizes this is a big deal. Yeah. This is important, and this holds so much weight. And he's yeah. like, no, 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 please send someone else. Yeah. Like, I'd rather not be a part of this, even yeah. if it meant like – me living out my glorious, my most glorious days. Like, yeah. no. But I don't think he could see, to your point, like, I don't think he could see the glory. All he sees is like, yeah, that like, seems really hard and scary. Like, you're asking me to do the impossible and you're asking me to lead people in the impossible. And I think he's like, I want the end result, which I think is an interesting point. It's like, I want the same thing that you want, but what it's going to take to get there, it's it's just too much. And he's like, I don't want to do this. Mm. And um, I'm tired, I'm too busy, and we can list all of those you know, reasons we give. My house is too dirty, I have no authority, there's someone better, more qualified. And I think some, things, some of these things are completely valid. Um, and then what it's really cool is that the Lord sends Aaron to go with him to be a helper. And he's like, I won't send you alone. I'm but doesn't send- it say that he gets a little mad at Moses? Isn't that when God is like, okay, fine, I'll send Aaron. To be with you. When he's like, please send someone else. And he's like, fine. Because it says like his anger burned against Moses or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I love that God is saying, you are a leader and I made um, I made you. And more importantly, I will go with you. Yeah. And so I think this is a story of doubt. And I think this is a story of God saying, but I can and I will in you. Um, and over and over again, I think we are faced with opportunities to step into what God's calling us to and who God is calling us to be and to step into the belief that God has gone before us, He is with us, and He has equipped us. Um, and I think too often we 
um, remain there or we simply say no and we ignore the voices or we're like, we can, we're not qualified like we were talking about last time. Um, but I'm a, I'm a really a believer in that no matter where you are, you have the opportunity to lead and God is whispering these things to you, the same thing that he's saying to Moses. Um, and I love, there's one of my favorite books that I've read. It's a leadership book by Simon Sinek. Um, it's called Leaders Eat Last. If you haven't read that, you should. Eat Last? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and this quote, he said, leaders are ones who are willing to give up something of their own for us, their time, their energy, their money, maybe even the food off their plate. When it matters, leaders choose to eat last. They, become, they only become leaders and they accept the responsibility to protect those in their care which sounds like what, motherhood, sounds mm. like pastoring, sounds like leading a team. Um, it's leadership, right? Is yeah. Those things are when you're willing to sacrifice for people in your care. Um, so I think the the lies we hear, um, right, that I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, I can't do it all, I don't have any authority. It's really asking this question of like, who am I, right? Mm, yeah. And Moses is like, you are a person, or God says you are a person um, that I go with. That I'll go with, yeah. And I love like, and this is just really miraculous or like, I think it's really cool how it always comes back to this, but um, it comes back to identity, right? Mm -hmm. And so your leadership has less to do with your behavior and more to do with your identity. If you think back to our theme and our takeaway from James, um, and I think like the questions to ask here is who do you think you are? Yeah. And who do you believe God says that you are? Mm -hmm. Um, And your identity is healthiest when what God says about you is most true of you. Um, and I think this is essential. And um, sometimes I think it's fallen into like this Christianese or um, just this cliche Christianity, but to the core is who do you believe that you are? Um, who do you believe that you're, you're worth dying for? Do you believe that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more? And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less? Um, and do you believe that you were created for a purpose, mm. that your life is purposeful, no matter how mundane the days may feel? Um, do you believe that this life is all grace? And do you believe that you are deeply loved? Do you believe that you are a person that God goes with? And so I think this identity is foundational and directs every response we make and our ability to process our emotion. It affects the way we view ourselves and it plays out in everything we do. Um, and so our sense of identity directs like who we are as leaders yeah, um, yeah. and directs us in every situation we're in. Um, it affects our ability to lead others, lead our, follow others, and our ability to see beyond where we are. So wanted to ask a few questions about that. Oh, yeah. Um, so how would you define a leader, and do you consider yourself one? Um, that's a, such a good question. Yeah. How would I define a leader? Um, I don't know. So I... Um, a few months ago, I read Wolfpack by Abby Wambach. Have you oh, read yeah. this book? So Abby Wambach was like the the captain of the women's national soccer team for the longest time. Yeah. Um, she's mm-hmm. an Olympian, whatever. Um, she has this really good book on leadership. It's really short. It's quick. Mm. Um, called Wolfpack. Um, and, and in the beginning of it, she talks about what a leader is and kind of similarly to how you talk about it. And I hadn't heard someone speak about it the way she does. Like she says that like, sort of similarly to what you said, like sh- it's someone who sacrifices for the good of the team or whatever. Mm. And she talks about it 
in terms of a wolf pack. So she's like, yeah, the, for the good of the pack. Yeah. The good of the pack is the wolf. The good of the wolf is the pack. That that sort of saying. Oh, yeah. Um, from Jungle Book. Wasn't that from Jungle Book? I think it's Book? from Jungle yeah. Book. Yeah. Um, and she says that leadership is the right and responsibility of every person. And I had never heard that before. Um, and she gives a couple of examples. And one of them was about motherhood. Mm. Um and I don't, I just like hadn't framed it in that way before. There's so many good quotes in that book. Um, and I don't think that I had thought of myself as a quote unquote leader before mm. I was reading that book. I think I thought of myself as like, oh, I'm pretty smart and I'm good at stuff. Yeah. And there's areas where I feel like I have influence. Yeah. But I think I thought of a leader as someone that everyone has sort of unanimous, unanimously agreed upon as like mm. um, qualified or. Yeah having this um, this bestowed upon them title, whereas yeah. she's saying it's more of an inner quality than it is a title. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a right than it is yeah. any sort of something you've That's earned. Cool. She's yeah. like, no, and like you are doing us all a disservice if you're not, le- not yeah. leading your circle mm-hmm. of influence. If it's your two kids at home or if it's, you know, the entire state of California, yeah. whatever it is, like it's your right and your responsibility as a human being. Yeah. And I just hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Would you consider yourself one based on that definition? Yeah, and it really reframed the way that I even thought about my family and about motherhood and about my yeah. responsibility to my people. I kind yeah, of thought, that's like, good. I'm a member of this family and I'm influential. I'm certainly in charge of these yeah. tiny humans. Yep. But I don't think I took it as like the responsibility of leadership. I just thought of it as like, I'm just bigger than them. You know what I mean? Like mm. I've lived a couple more years. I'm the yeah. big kid, but um, yeah, th- there's, there's a sobering quality to it, but also there's a freedom to it that like, no, it's my right and responsibility as a human yes. to lead them. That's really good. That's really cool. I'm constantly, we always talk about leadership. I'm very aware of it. And I think it shifted for me when I realized that the person in charge is not um, always the leader. And that's, that's interesting. That was yeah. a very big shift for me because I'm like, oh, it's the one that's leading the team. Cool. Like it's the one that's making the decisions. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that, no, actually like um, I am just as much of a leader and sometimes in some situations I'm more of a leader because I'm not the one in charge, you know? Yeah. And so I have a right the responsibility, right, responsibility. to influence the culture and the team. Um, just as much as anyone else, maybe more. And so um, that was like a big pivotal shift for me. I was like, oh, it can, I can be behind, I can be in the back of the pack and still like lead the team. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she talks a lot about like leading from the bench and how important yes. that is. That yeah. like if you don't have people supporting you mm-hmm. on the bench, like yeah. with their presence, but mm-hmm. also with um, their attitude and their advice and their insight, mm-hmm. like you're no good. You yeah. can't be as you can't play as excellently without people leading from the bench. Yeah. yeah. One of my very favorite stories of leadership that I've seen in kind of along the lines of that concept. Um, we have this camp we do every single summer. It's called Camp Rock. It's for kids like uh, third through fifth grade. And we go to like this um, YMCA um, campsite in the mountains. And we've done this for like 25 years. Um, but one year I went like 10 years ago on staff and we used to have this tradition where we have like the fifth graders would like climb up this mountain and they would hike up. Only the fifth graders? Only the fifth graders. Okay. It was like a special thing. And they would like hike up this mountain. It was not a difficult hike. It took, didn't take long. They would get to the top and then come down. Okay. 
And so um, our our counselors are our high school students. That's important. And so I was going on this hike with these kids, and there were like two kids in particular who like could not make it up this mountain. They were they would walk so slow. They would stop every three steps, and they were like, "I cannot make it." They were grumbling, complaining, and they were like, "Legitimately, I can't do this." Were like, they physically incapable, or um, they just yes? So there was a little okay. bit of that. Um, they were trying the best they could, but they were like, "I can't do this," and they would like literally stop, take three steps, stop. But it was so amazing because they were like three high schoolers that stayed with them the entire time. Aww. And yeah, it was it was one of the coolest things I've seen and like encouraged them every step of the way. It gives me chills. But they were like, hey, you can do this. I know you can do this. Like one foot in front of the other, we got this. And like stayed with them the entire time. And I happened to be with them because I had a group, it was a group of girls and one of, our, one of the campers that was struggling was with our group and they never left her. Aww. And we walked up the entire time like singing songs. It took us triple the time that took everybody else. <laughs> Everyone else is coming down. Down and we're you, going yeah. up. And it was one of the greatest demonstrations of leadership and humility that I'd ever seen. The constant encouragement. They like carried him for a little bit. They're like, we are going to get to the top. And Aww. there was one kid there that was like an Eagle Scout. and or, or no, he was a fifth grader and he was a Boy Scout. Like he could have run up the mountain. But he was like, no, I'm going to lead this little pack in the back that's struggling because we are all in this together. And so I like blogged about it and I like to repost it every year we go to camp because it's, um, and I think that helped reframe. Like these guys are are leading and they're nowhere near. Like we're not leaving this week, this person behind that yeah. can't make it, you know? So. Oh, that made me cry. Yeah. That's one of my, yeah. It was a very powerful story. So, um, okay. So the second question is, do you have a gift or experience you've gone through that reminds you of Moses? Um, or do you have like a moment like that where you've said something back to God and, um, when he's called you to do something or what excuses have you given? Yeah. Like you can't do it. You don't have a credibility. You can't speak. You mm-hmm. don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I talked a little yesterday about like this whole in the or in the previous episode. This whole podcasting experience has been one uh, large journey of me battling imposter syndrome and battling against this concept of like I'm unqualified and God being like, yeah. I didn't ask you to be qualified yeah. in the way that yeah. you think you should be. I asked you to just do it. Yeah, um, and to trust that I told you to do it. Um, so mixed in with that, through this podcast. It's been really wonderful. Um, I've been given some opportunities mm, yeah. to lead in my own way in ways that are scary and new for me. And when they were first presented to me, um, when I was asked to lead in this way, I immediately was like, nope, no, wish I could, but I, alas, I am not qualified. Mm-hmm. And it was just like... Sorry. And it's funny because I went home after saying no to this one opportunity. Um, and that it, it it was concerning to me that my my first instinct was to say no. Yeah. And I came home and I was kind of wrestling with it. Um, and Drew had been with me at the time. And he didn't say much because he, he's, he's wise. He lets me just like sort things out and feel my feelings. Um, but he was like, why don't you go spend some time by yourself? Yeah. Why don't you go have your quiet yeah. time? Um, so I went out to the office, and I knew I needed to work on the podcast. It was while we were writing season two, the season we're in. Um, and I sat down, and I was like, all right, well, I got you know, I got to start working on some of these chapters. And I opened up to chapter three, the one that we did yesterday. Mm. And I just, you know, reading God calling Moses, everything yes. we talked about yesterday. That's and good. I was like, oh, yeah, shoot. 
Yeah. Like here, yeah, here's Moses giving every excuse in the book as to why he can't. And you see that God doesn't get, God is so kind to him at first. He's like, I'll be with you. And it repeatedly reassures him like, I'll be with you. I'll mm-hmm. be with you. I'm calling you to do this because I'll yeah. be with you, not because like you need to be qualified in any of these ways. And Moses keeps offering up these excuses. And at some point, God gets frustrated. And he's like, you know what? I'll send Aaron with you. Yeah. And I had this thought that like, I wonder at what point someone else gets sent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wonder mm-hmm. at what point if I just keep saying no, if I keep coming up with these excuses as to why, oh, I shouldn't, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't possibly. And like you said, like that's not yeah. humility. Mm-hmm. You're not serving anyone. Yep. Um, yeah. And I just felt so convicted by that and so humbled by that, that like, I don't know why I thought it was like, I think I thought I was like, oh, well, I'm just respecting um what a big deal this is. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I can't do the type yeah. of, ac- I can't do the work with the excellence yeah. that I think it should be done with. So I should say no. Um, <laughs> we get so creative in our like, excuses. <laughs> in my excuses. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then the yeah. thought came to me, like how yeah. many times can I say no before God's like, you know what? There's mm-hmm. someone else who's willing. Yep. Someone else will say yes to yeah, this. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And they may not be, they're not my first choice, mm-hmm. but yeah, you said no. Yeah. And that thought broke my heart more mm-hmm than anything. It's like, no, I want to do this. There's such a, a sense of fulfillment and joy when we, and I think C.S. Lewis is the one that says like, it's like a bone being set, mm-hmm. a broken bone being set when we fill the calling that God has called us to. Like doing this podcast has brought so much life and joy to me. Mm-hmm. And I just Good. thought it broke my yeah. heart to think like, if I keep saying no to these things, at what point is he like, how about you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, you're out. How about this guy? Yeah. He's like, no, I want... I want to do this. Yeah. I've experienced the yeah. fullness of freedom and joy when I do say yes. Yeah. Why do I keep saying no? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think for me, I I think I, I have a really big heart and I'm like, well, I have too big of a heart to do like pastoral work or ministry because I care and feel too deeply. Like you're afraid I'll hurt too much? Yeah. Or like I am always having to um, navigate um, empathy and feeling emotion and making sure it's like um, an appropriate amount or just I feel mm. deeply. And God's like, no, that's exactly why you're equipped to do pastoral work because mm-hmm. you have a big heart. Yeah. Um, and so I love that God kind of turned something that I think is like not a weakness. I think having a big heart's amazing and my emotion's amazing, but I'm constantly having to balance it, I guess, yeah. constantly having to face it, think through it, navigate it. Um, and I'm like, oh, this feels like a lot for pastoral work. And God's like, no, 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 that's that's why you're why I called you to do that because of how you're made. And yeah. so, um, what I would think as like a weakness, um, God's like, no, no, I'm going to use this exactly how you're made. So, and I did have that thought when I was um, feeling so convicted in the office writing um, and like sort of wrestling with the concept of Moses. I wondered if what if Moses wasn't called because of this like certain qualification on his part because God, he was so perfect for the job. What if the only way that Moses was to be grown and sanctified in the way that would be as redemptive as possible for him was to be used in this capacity? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what if his best story would be written by filling this? Not like not because he was so good for the job, but because the job itself would be so stretching and testing and sanctifying for him. Yeah, that's good. That's really cool. And I thought like, if I say no to something like this. What am I missing? What am I going to miss out on? Yes, that's good. Um, Well, let's move into our time of meditation. Um, So 
As some of you may know, Mari and I both wrote a book over the past couple months called Holy Noticing. Oh, yeah. We talked about yeah, it a lot. Yeah. Uh, we did. On I social media. It, we were like, like all the time. Um, by someone named Charles Stone. And so it's uh, a book about a meditation and mindfulness practice. Um, and so Stone defines mindfulness as the art of holy noticing, um, which means noticing with the holy purpose, God and his handiwork, our relationships, and our inner world of thoughts and feelings. Uh, Stone describes a five-part practice of holy noticing. Um, it spells breathe, <laughs> B-R-E-A-T-H-E, <laughs> that holistically encompasses the fullness of what a life of mindfulness affects. So our physical, our relationships, our mental lives, our emotions, our spirits, and our environments, et cetera. So basically, like mindfulness affects everything. Mm. Uh, and we become more full and whole and integrated when we pause. Um, so the B is your body, that you ponder and yield your body. The R is review and renew your relationships. Uh, the E is notice and engage your environment. Um, the A is label and release your afflictive emotions. Uh, T is observe and submit your thoughts. The H is search and surrender your heart. And the last E is engage the world like Christ. Um, so each practice is around like three minutes total or three minutes for a total of 15 to 20 minutes of stillness and meditation. Um, it begins with concentrated breathing. There's a time in meditation on some anchor verses and then a specific mindfulness practice that relates to the that part of our soul. Um, so we'll spend time in each practice this season um, to hopefully create like a whole full um, meditation or mindfulness practice. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Um, so we'll take it one step at a time. And so we'll start with B today, which is body. Um, ponder and yield your body. Um, God has given us a body and so much of our activity and stress affects our bodies negatively. We've talked about that a lot. Um, our bodies matter to God and so they should matter to us. Um, so let's become aware of our bodies. Um, and one of the unique differences of holy noticing is an anchor verse. Uh, so Stone encourages for each practice to choose a verse to anchor and steady yourself in and to meditate on. Uh, we will provide a few verses, a few anchor verses as we meditate, but feel free to pause now and choose your own if you'd like. Before we begin, take a minute to get comfortable. Be kind and gracious to yourself as you settle in. Take note of your body's sensations as you begin. Do you feel tired? Are you sore or achy? Does your back hurt? Are you feeling restless? Begin with long, slow breaths. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Let's meditate on the anchor verses. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Romans 12.1 Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Lord, I acknowledge that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. I acknowledge that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you have freely given to me. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. I want to honor you with my body. Therefore, I offer my body as a living sacrifice to you. Let's begin a body scan. Start with your left foot and leg as you imagine a scanner passing over it from bottom to top. Pause to pay attention if you feel any sensation, no sensation, or sensations that come and go. Focus your attention on that part of the body. Thank God for that part of the body. Be creative in what you thank him for, how your knee flexes, for your kneecap, for the cartilage and ligaments that hold your knee together. Now move to your right leg and do the same. Noticing sensations that come and go. Thank God at various places on your leg. Move to your torso and then up your left hand and arm and up your right hand and arm. Thank God at various places in your torso and hands and arms. Now move up to your neck, up your face, and finally up through your head. You may thank him for things that seem insignificant, 
like your eyelashes or the contours of your ear. God has fashioned you as the crown of his creation. Simply notice and give thanks. You are here to be with your body in the presence of the one who created it. Revisit the anchor verses if you need to. Lord, thank you for giving me my body. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I yield it to you today as a living sacrifice. Thanks for joining us today. If you're looking for show notes to follow up on any references we may have shared, you can find those in the episode description or by going to our website at www.thepausepodcast.com, where you can also find links to our social media, along with a handy guide to subscribing or leaving a review. Thanks for listening.